Hello again, and welcome to the Fairmont Specialty Podcast. I'm your host today, Stuart Montenegro, and I am here today to interview Major Gallon Thomas, who is a physician in the Army. He's currently stationed at Walter Reed Medical Center, and he's kind enough to join us today. Major Thomas, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, we were excited to have you. I also was telling you a minute ago, the Fairmont Specialty Podcast is mainly the purpose is to get information out to all our young upcoming medical professionals, physicians, especially who are joining the military. A lot of us don't have experience in the military beforehand, and so we're trying to get as much wisdom from, from guys like you who have been in for a while and who have gone through and seen some, seen some things and, and know some tricks of the trade to pass on to us as well as sharing good, fun experiences that you've had and help us along the way. Sounds good. By the way. All right. Well, first things first, we just want to kind of get to know you a little bit there, Major Thomas. Can you uh, tell us about where you're from and where you went to medical school and how you got into medicine in the first place? Yeah, uh, I grew up in a small little town, Southeast Oregon, Burns, Oregon. I'm from the big county, eight kids. Went to medical school out in Georgia at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in 20. Graduated in 2013 and then my Internship and residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation there at Walter Reed, and currently am staff in the residency program. Oh, awesome! You're one of eight children. What number are you in there? I have five older sisters, and then uh, myself, my brother, and then another sister. So, certainly <laughs> outnumbered. That's okay. That's right on. That's awesome. Lots of older sisters. That can be a blessing and a curse. So. How's the blessing? It's blessing. Yeah, it's a matter of So then you were in Burns, Oregon, you did your undergrad, and then you went out to PCOM. How did you end up at PCOM? How did you choose osteopathic medicine? When I was looking at medical school, I was NDDO, uh, but I just like the idea of using my hands. I'm a very hands-on person, and the idea of learning how to treat people without medicine or anything like that was really appealing to me. I went kind of all in, and so I only did the schools after that because I really like that philosophy or that idea. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the whole philosophy of, of letting the body kind of take care of itself and, and not just kind of getting it across in the right direction. You know, that's the reason we're here. Now, you're in the Army. Did you go through HPSC then? Yeah, I did. Certainly, I was looking at ways to pay for school, and that's when I found out that there was a the scholarship to the military and looked very appealing to me. I'll be honest, that's probably the primary reason that I did the scholarship was just to pay for school because I did not know how I was going to pay back that, you know, close to a half a million dollars. That's how I kind of got into it. What made you choose Army? Kind of sheer luck. My brother was going to do it as well, and we were both going to do the Army, so we kind of just decided on the Army, and, and then he bailed on me, and I was stuck. <laughs> Not stuff, but I, I had already turned in my application yeah. and I said, my brother died. You were committed in your many words. Is your brother also a doctor? He is. Uh, he went to Toronto, Nevada, but he had a surgery come up during the recruitment process, so the receiver kind of dropped him some level of interest. It is tough. I had a couple friends in school who have asked me about how I got in and, and if, if there were any exceptions, if I knew somebody who could get him in at the you know, sorry, sometimes it's the rules are what the rules are, so that's tough. 
How did you choose medicine to begin with in this problem? I actually uh, wanted to be a doctor when I was like 13, 12, because I had some friends, parents who were docs. But then I went to undergrad, and there was a guy there who got me interested in the public health. So I really thought I was going to do public health, and so I went out to Georgia to Emory University to get a master's in public health. And at that point, I realized that a lot of this is on public health is research and running numbers and statistical analysis, and that just bored me to death. And number one, I wasn't very good at it. It was terrible in those classes. So as I was struggling, I realized that I wanted to be, I wanted to do something hands-on. I wanted to be with people one-on-one because I felt like that was a strength of mine. So I started looking around, and my girlfriend at the time, who later I married, said, you need to go to medical school because if you don't, then you'll pick yourself even later. So I chose medicine. Some of you made a good choice in self and career, I think. Yeah, both, both are certainly working now, yeah, certainly. <laughs> well, I'm glad. How is she feeling about it now, this many years later? Did she know what she was getting into? More or less. She knew the military was going to have its demands, but she's been provoked yet. So, like, the military's blessed us. We've had a good experience taking care of everything we could want and need, and not a very tricky person. So, to me, I went and met all the boxes, for the most part, of what I want. Perfect. You joined the military, you went to school, you did your four years at PCOM. Now, can you tell me a little bit about choosing your specialty and getting into CMR? You like to use your hands, which makes sense if you can't in that direction. But I mean, it's still going to happen. How did you narrow it down? How did you choose, especially within the military, the first one to do? I initially wanted to do family medicine. I love family. I love the idea of getting to know people and having relationships with people. But I didn't really like the obstetrics, the gynecology, you know, that aspect of family. And I, I was transforming and I did a rotation at Walter Reed in the physical medicine. And it was, for everything that I liked about medicine, getting to know people, having a very hands-on relationship, being able to follow people for a long period of time while they got better, but it eliminated all the bad stuff, not the bad stuff, just the stuff that didn't interest me. And I think I ran out of time, you know, and... 2009, 2010, 11, when the war after Iraq Afghanistan was still pretty hot, and so there was a lot of amputees there, and so we had to work really hands-on with the amputees, and they're some of my favorite people and most inspiring people, so I think that's really being significantly working with them. Oh, man, yeah, I can imagine. I didn't even think about that, but the patient population in the military is very different. I'm doing a civilian rotations right now, in my third year, and it's definitely every rotation has an impact on you, but I, I have not done any military bases yet. We military hospital. Yeah, you don't see the difference for sure. Yeah, yeah I'm excited for it. Like just, uh, you like CMNR, and, and then you just went right for it. Now, can you talk a little bit about that specialty? Because before I got into medical school, I didn't know much about CMNR. I think it's still say that a great majority of all doctors in the medical field don't know what physical medicine is. What it is is that amalgamation of, well, really, so if you look at it, you know, every, every other area of medicine kind of has its, its you know, orthopedics, its surgery, and the bones, the tendons, and stuff like that. And you have mm-hmm. neurology, and cardiology, and internal medicine, and rheumatology, and pediatrics, and 
The focus on one thing, I was, one of the things I asked about PMI was that it's very focused on function, and that's kind of the primary aim of physical medicine and rehabilitation is determining and restoring people to function. If it's a pediatric patient with cerebral palsy, how do you help them to walk? You know, how do you medically or just with braces or crutches, how do you get them to be independent? You know, or is it, you know, with an amputee who's just lost one or two legs? How can they be independent? And so you get, you're very involved in giving them a piece of their life back. You know, is it modified with a brace or an artificial leg? Yeah. But they have their independence back. They have all that back. Um, that's really the goal of physical medicine is helping people return to function. And that's where the long-term relationships come in is they're really walking through people through long-term problems. And whether it's chronic pain, or something like cerebral palsy, or a stroke, or a spinal cord injury, or something like that. It is a long game that you get to play with these people and try and help them. That's, that's like exactly what it would be right there. Yeah, and so it looks, it looks really nicely. Unfortunately, military has the only residency at Walter Reed, and right now they're only accepting three students per year uh, to train. Uh, with a, the possibility of two more, if, you know, if they have a, a need that the military gives them a, you know, they call it an and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and occasionally, about every five to seven years, traditionally, the Navy will train one person, but it's not very often. And then the Air Force, you know, you're looking for a unicorn. I think the last Air Force trainee was never. Um, there was an Air Force doctor with TNR, but he did civilian and then joined the Air Force afterwards. But he was just another year. Yeah. Okay. So it, it just doesn't happen very often, but, and that's part of what makes TNR pretty competitive. It just says only one spot, and there's only three you know, slots to fill. Uh, mind you, it's very lucky there was only three applicants, and so three spots. And so, what's that great? Yeah. Um, you know other years, there are 10 applicants for three spots, and so you are more competitive than almost every other specialty in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just really lasts in I remember when I first learned about it, I thought, oh, this is a very interesting specialty. When I am in the Air Force branch, I'm also saying it's a unicorn. Oh, well, man, that's <laughs> not even an option for me. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, because I think the military doesn't really have a good grasp of what they could have in a, in a specialty. Um, and it is really truly the only, well, probably the only, military-born specialty. Um, it really came about because of the injuries resulting from war in the Civil War, World War One, the Korean War, World War II, all the, all the wars of our nation drove this specialty to, be, to be, become a uh, thing. Well, hopefully we can uh, help the knowledge get out there so they can expand the options for a little bit. We talk a lot about, you know, when people go into GMO tools or plus tools, especially, well, DOs really. They always, we always hear from people who do those tools that, oh yeah, they always want you to do your OMT because they don't have to use medicine and they like to be able to get in there and get things fixed and help people get better. I said, well, thank you. Yeah, basically, this is going to expand the specialty a little bit, but anyway, well, I guess we'll see what happens. What would you say as far as advice for students that do want to? I mean, is it tough one to get into, depending on the year? What's the best way to, to help students that do want to do that? Everybody at, at this stage of the game, I think, has already checked the boxes. Uh, I think most of 
students nowadays have a research project already done, and that's that's a big thing. You gotta have good letters of recommendation. I honestly, in that specialty, if you want to get into it for you know, say, you need to be on site. You need to go there. You need to meet everybody, and you need to get make a good impression. And I will say. From the military aspect, and I say PMI in general, everybody's pretty laid back. Um, but what they, what people don't like, are people that you know, feel like they've already got things figured out. And so if you go in with kind of a good, good humble attitude, you're teachable, and you work extremely hard, then you're going to be just fine. Now, then it comes down to just the numbers thing. I will say for myself, I had the middle of the road sports course. Really just average, I, I average grade. One thing I had going for me is I did have my master's degree beforehand. And uh, we just accepted a couple of people over the last two years that were like me, kind of middle of the road. You don't have to be the stellar person, but you do have to come in and make a good personal impression. And then I guess you've got to check all the other boxes that they want to. You get the elected person and you got to have, have what they want to, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big one to, to say that if, if you feel like that's what you want to go for your life, then you go do it. So we always accept a couple of GMOs every year. A lot of people, they don't get to test the first or the second time, and they'll do a GMO tour for two years, and then they'll come back. In fact, two of my classmates, that's exactly what they did. They didn't get to test twice. They did a GMO tour and then came back, and then they were picked up, and they got to finish, you know, do what they truly wanted to do. I've also known other people that if physical medicine is the route you want to go, that there's been people that have done their, their tour, their GMO tour, and then two of them, and then they've gotten home and done the civilian work so they didn't get picked up. But that's what they wanted to do, so they just they went for it. you got to do COG with people really seem to respond to GMOs. You know, you bring a level of immaturity into the, into the field, which you've always needed. Yeah, in the experience of having take some time in the military as well, I imagine. Change the stack a little bit. So, being an officer, it is kind of interesting for so many of us who have commissioned and are now officers in the military without prior military experience. And, and most of us have done at least some training, but it's still, it's not as, as much as you would need to feel comfortable just jumping in the very first day. What, what is yeah. What is it you can you think that it would be good for the students to kind of prepare and develop themselves as as officers while they're still in school? I mean, I'd imagine as much you can do, but I mean, if there was something, what would you say are some traits that need to be developed? I remember being in that school, and I remember this, and probably not exactly what I'm about to say, but um, there's a pervasive attitude that you need to beat other people. And you've got to get a better score than other people. You've got to do that. Again, this is really my attitude. But if you want to be a good military leader, a good officer, that attitude needs to stop. Good military leaders, the ones that you will look up to and respect are the ones that were not. They're leaders, but they're more than that because they're stewards, right? They took people and they helped them be better. They took enlisted guys and they helped them advance their own careers. You know, they took uh, junior officers and gave them opportunities to be leaders and do things that were totally out of their realm, but they helped them, right? I've experienced that 100%. But I think that attitude in medical school that you have to beat people is a destructive one. 
I really do think it's a destructive one. And if you want to be a good military leader and a good officer, then you need to understand that you guys are not the right attitude. So I think it's all about attitude. No, I really appreciate that. A lot of times you'll hear about things about, you know, work on working as a team and things like that. But I, I like that advice because that is, you're right, that's a, that's a feeling that's kind of hard to avoid when you're in school and you're worried about the class rank and you're worried about getting the average and making the grades to get into the specialties. It's an easy thing. Yeah, and, and, and it's not to say that it's easy to do, but I, I really truly think that it makes a big difference if you can just forget that realm and help each other. Because that's really, you get into the military and if you think you can do it by yourself because you're not much smarter than everybody else, it's going to be a long road. That I believe. The more I, I think about it, when we talk about, you know, working as a team, I went through, again, a network that I went to Cotton and was out there for a few weeks, and it's interesting because most of us in the military or that are going to medical school are pretty intelligent and kind of work through problems and analyze things. And so you're analyzing everything when you're at COD. You have an MCI creature and why you have to do this and do that and all that. You know, why do they make us go through these things this way? But I think you're right. Like in, after, after some time there and thinking about it, you realize that it's not so much about kind of beat the other, you know, beat the other flights as far as the Air Force goes, as much as just learning to work together and not kind of beat each other, but everybody, you know, really strong as you It kind of makes more sense, and I can see how that is something that as medical students, you can lose track of sometimes. Yeah, those people that know me would laugh probably when I say that because I'm by nature an extremely competitive person. I do like to compete. But I will say that I've learned over the last 10, 15 years is that you can compete and have fun, but when you truly just want to beat somebody for the sake of beat them, that's when you start getting into the, uh, the mindset that is going to be actually harmful to you and then both of you ask them. Well, I appreciate that. Now, as far as going forward with medical students and we're getting ready, a lot of us to apply, some of us are already doing on military rotations and getting ready to move on to internships. What are some advice that you'd give us? What's something that you wish you knew when you first left medical school and studied in military rotations? I think the advice that I give people is that think of the fallacy of living a well-balanced life. You're always going to have to make a decision to put the time in the basket that you find the most important. For me, it was important to have family time, and so I knew from the get-go that I wasn't going to do as well in my schools on my test, but I certainly wasn't going to have any regrets about my family time. So what I would, I would tell people is that there are going to be times where everything's going to suffer because you're putting your time somewhere else, and that's okay. You have to be okay with that. You know, there are very few people that can do everything well. I think you have to be with okay, okay with sometimes just getting by. That's what I would say. And other times you'll excel because that's, just, that's where you put your money. You put your money? Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, I heard an analogy that kind of uh, that reminds me of a guy who says, how do you balance all your responsibilities, your different responsibilities, and he says, I mean, I remember a guy saying, well, it's kind of like, you watch these people that spin plates on the top of sticks, and they're like, how can you spin so many plates you after that? And he said, well, if you pay attention, not every plate is spinning at the same speed. 
the same way that works for them. You go to the one that's slowing down, and then you go to the one that's slowing down, and you just kind of keep them all up there. And that's how you have to approach that. That's kind of how I started to get into school myself. <laughs> so I just keep going along that route. You'll be fine. You'll, you'll be well. Thank you. Um, okay, so a couple other questions. We don't want to keep it too long here, but you know, there are differences between military and civilian training. And as far as the military, you are at the main CNR training facility. What are some lessons that you've learned in the military setting that you maybe have? I mean, there's not many civilian training seminar docs in the military, but what are some things that you think are an advantage to that? Well, I would tell you, whatever program you pick, be it analyzing or neurosurgery or whatever, the opportunities to do things early on in your career will abound in the military, whereas the civilian world, you are very protected because they don't want to have losses. Right? And the military protects you a little bit just because of the setup, the legality of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, I came out of residency already having done hundreds of objections, but my counterparts in the civilian world had to go to fellowship training just to be able to do those objections. You will come out so farther ahead of your civilian counterparts in terms of hands-on experience, you, you will get that training. You will get the opportunities if you, if you take them. That's good because I've got a lot of uh, in other specialties, there are a lot of positions you have to go through civilian training, and so it's good to hear some of these advantages of actually going through the military. Now, you've been in the military, you graduated, you went to residency, you did the payback, and you're still in, am I correct? Well, yeah, after, after residency, I went to the next course medicine fellowship, so I'm still doing my first payback at Walter Reed. But and this next summer, I will finish my first payback. Okay, so this next summer you'll finish. I have three more years. Three more years. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your career as far as since you finished residency and finished your fellowship, you've been a full-blown doc, active duty in the military. Can you just talk a little bit about some of the experiences you've had, deployments that you've gone on, stations that you've been in, and, and just give us some, some insight into your, your military career so far. I was going to be deployed, um, and so we had to go to the Joint Readiness Training Center in um, Louisiana at Fort Polk, so if you ever get a chance to go there, it's, it's not much there, but it was a good experience to work with the time support brigade there, and it was just some real Army experience, so that was a fun one. I also got to fly to Ukraine and help train the Ukrainian Army in rehab. And some of the rehab principals are there trying to develop their own rehab program with their soldiers that were injured when they were fighting Russia, when Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, oh, yeah. five, six, seven years ago when that happened. So I think I was uh, frustrated to go do that medicine and that medicine, but then COVID hit, so that got canceled. I've been able to be a part of the teaching residency and teaching fellowship there with the sports medicine fellowship guys. So my, you know, that's been my experience. It hasn't been too bad. I'm hoping to get to an operational role this summer and my next duty station, so we will see if that happens. Well, that's, that's awesome. As far as students that are going into 
military and deciding, and it's obviously you're still in your cave, I you still got time to decide. But some students that I ask, are you going to make a career out of it? People ask me that all the time. They say, well, I really don't know. I haven't gone after duty yet, and my, I'll have to see how it goes with my wife and my kids and my family. Can you just give us a little insight on how that decision-making process is going to either been in and any advice you have for those of us who are coming down the line? Yeah, I think, you know, unless you really know, you know, keep your open, keep your mind open now. I ran into it knowing that I was just doing it to pay, you know, have school paid for. But once I got in and realized that the military, I, like I said before, was taken care of my family. We've had a good life. Right now, if I had to pick, I, I will say that I'm going to stay in for 20. But again, I have three more years. I would just say, keep your options open. You're, there's always going to be a boss that you're supposed to have out of you. Um, the military is unique because it can be inefficient and it can be real irritating, but it's also very rewarding and easy to work with. So, not ever having worked in the civilian world, but knowing a lot of people in back, they're just as irritated, but yet their experience might be a little bit less fun because of the patient population of death. The military, 100% is not for everybody, but if you keep an open mind, you know, the first few years after you get out of your residency and you're doing your payback, I think you'll realize how good of an experience it could be um, if that's, if that, you know, if it's for you. I, I really think it would be. So I'd say keep your, keep your eyes open, keep your mind open to the experiences that you could have. I think that's pretty, pretty good advice because uh, you never know. You never know if you close doors and forget them. So it's good. Exactly. Okay, uh, well, we've taken some of your time and we really appreciate it. Do you have any last advice or any last um, tidbits that you'd like to give? This is going to reach thousands of students across the country and, uh, you know, for years to come, hopefully, we tune in to, to learn from us today. Anything else that you'd like to share with all these uh, future physicians? Can you know, again, you guys, I mean, I best to make the things that you're doing right now and the good that you'll be able to do yourself. Hope you won't lose sight of why you went into medicine, but just to help people, because that at the heart of everything is why you're here. And then I'm going to shamelessly plug coming to the NLOS conference in D.C. in March, okay? So I'm going to need to come there just because I know the guy putting it on. He's kind of a credible source, I think. And uh, I think you guys will have a great time. Awesome. Well, I'm going to back you up on that. Everybody should plan on coming out to D.C. in March. We would love to see everybody there, and uh, hopefully we can get some hands-on experience and learn some more stuff from there. So thank you so much, Major Thomas, for coming on today, for sharing with us. For all of you who are listening, thank you for listening to the Sam Specialty Podcast, and we hope to tune in next time. That wraps up our episode with Dr. Thomas today. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences with a future military physician. For those of you listening, if you have any recommendations for the podcast or anything you'd like to hear in particular, feel free to email samopseducationchair at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.